I want to talk tonight a little bit about Christmas, the Christmas story. Amen. It's beginning to, I wouldn't say look a lot like Christmas, because there's no snow on the ground, but that's what I always feel. It's Christmas time when there's snow on the ground. But since we've been down here for 25 years, not seen snow at Christmas time. Amen. Unless we were up there during that time. But I always loved Christmas, um, the Christmas songs and the Christmas stories and just um, loved everything about it. I'm not much of a gift giver or a gift receiver, but I can remember it goes back to I was raised in a Presbyterian church and it was a Christmas Eve, I believe it was, where I heard the Christmas story and even at the age of eight years old, I can remember going home that night and kneeling down beside my bed and just asking the Lord. I said, Lord, don't ever let me forget the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. And I'm thankful, Lord, that he never has. He's actually just revealed it more and more to me than I've ever known before. But God did a great work. Amen. We celebrated on December 25th, which... They say probably is not the day, Christmas Day. It doesn't really matter to me. It's just that we know that he came, amen, that he came to this earth. I want to start in Luke chapter 2. That's where we find the uh, Christmas story at its best, my favorite part. But I want to start in 21, and then I'll back up. I'm going to read about the whole chapter. So if you got your Bible, grab Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, of course, Jesus is already born now. He's eight days old. They bring him to get circumcised. They call his name Jesus, just like the angel told him to. And when the days of her purification, Mary's purifications, According to the law of Moses was accomplished. They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So we know if we go back into the Levitical law that this was a sacrifice that was brought mostly by poor people. So we know that Mary and Joseph were poor because by the sacrifice that they brought. And behold, there was a man at Jerusalem whose name is Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation or the comfort. He's waiting for this Messiah to come, the consolation or the comforter of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for my eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people say all people aren't you thankful for that 
and a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's us. Are you a Gentile tonight? Amen. If you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 35 there is giving us a look into the crucifixion that will someday take place. And Simeon is telling Mary here that there's, it's going to pierce her soul as she watches. We know that it happened when she had to watch her son die on the cross. But it was for the reason that many thoughts, that the thoughts of many hearts should be revealed. This revelation really of our own heart and of our own thoughts and, and where we are. And God moves upon us today and we are so blessed to have the privilege to come into the presence of God. Amen. And I'm thankful for this church that strives to... Uh, present and to uh, cultivate, if you will, to have the presence of the Lord in our services. I don't ever want to get commonplace with the presence of God. Amen. And I can remember, you know, when I first came into the house of God, how fearful it was. This was in Ohio where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I can remember the worship of the Lord and it was kind of a fearful thing there, but at the same time, I needed a change in my life. I can remember so desperately uh, wanting to, the worship service was going on. I was wanting desperately to get my mind up off of, you know, what I was feeling in the house of God. And, and I looked over to the right. I mean, there's my friend that invited me. He had his hands lift, lifted and he was worshiping God. And I looked over to my other side and the gentleman over there, he had his hands. I just wanted to talk, you know, talk to somebody to kind of get my mind. But everybody was worshiping the power of worship. Amen. Don't ever underestimate the power of your praise and your worship when you're in the house of the Lord. Talk to many, many people that says, you know, I can remember in particular one lady that I went back to talk to and she was still gripping. It's when we had the pews. She was still gripping the back of her pew and her said, my knuckles are just white and I just never felt anything like this before. She said, I can't hardly let go of this pew. And we talked for a while. But I went away from that conversation thinking, Lord, do I feel what she felt when I'm in your presence? Amen. As I got so commonplace to it that I have forgotten the power of your presence. Let's never forget the power of the presence of Almighty God. Amen. God is great and He's greatly to be praised, and we need to lift Him up. And so much the more in these ending days, we need to be lifting up the name of Jesus, praising Him not just in the house of God, but out into this world because this world needs Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go back to the first verse of Luke chapter 2 
where it says it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And that's the story about Christmas right there. Not... Uh, Satan Claus and all these other things that go around about Christmas, but it's about Jesus coming to earth. And we all, you know, that old saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. But we sing a song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And one of the lines in that is, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I like that part there where it says, The hopes and the fears where there's hope and then there's also a fear when you get into the presence of God there can be a fear that you because you're in the presence of something that's so holy amen something that's so awesome but he's there with his arms handed out his arms lifted out to each and every one of us to give us hope just like Simeon had told Mary, this child is going to be set for the fall and the rising again of, may, of many. It wasn't everybody wasn't going to accept him. Everybody wasn't going to be happy about him being there. Amen. But some were. The hopes and the fears of all the years were met in Jesus Christ that night. 
I want to talk for the few minutes that I have remaining on the gift at Bethlehem. The gift at Bethlehem. The angel said unto them, for not, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Isaiah prophesied about it, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7 and 14 also talked about it. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which Matthew interprets that with us, for us, meaning God with us. Hallelujah. But this gift at Bethlehem, the first thing I want to say about this gift that is at Bethlehem is it's not far to Bethlehem. It's not far to get there. Now, I think they said that in, in the real uh, mileage, it's about 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so Mary being in the pregnated state that she was, if she was here, she would probably argue with me because they didn't take a car or a train or a bus. They walked it. Perhaps she rode on the back of a donkey. And so it was probably very trying for them. Perhaps took some commentary, say, maybe a week to two weeks for them to either get there. But when I say it's not far to Bethlehem, I'm saying it's not far to, give to, the, to get to the gift of God. God desires for each and every one of us to come into his presence. You may look around you and you may look at the circumstances that are in your life and may seem that they are out of control. We can look at the government and it seems like it's out of control. We look at people all around us and it seems like things are a little out of control. We can even look within our own family, and it seems like the circumstances just seem so desperate, so out of our control. But I want you to know that Bethlehem, the gift that was at Bethlehem, the Savior of the world, it's not far from us. If we're not careful, we can get our eyes upon all the things that are going on around us and all the things that are wrong and forget about what is going on that's right around us. When you think about this at the beginning of this chapter talks about Caesar, he's the one that called for the taxation and they had to go to get registered in their own town of of uh, Bethlehem. And so when we look at that, you know, they could have cried and they could have complained about it and perhaps they did that they had to go and do this at this particular time. But if we look into Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Euphrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, have been from of old and from everlasting. It may seem to us that Caesar might have been in control. He was the king at that time. 
but we know that Jesus Christ is the king of kings. You look at that and you think, why did they have to do that at this time? And you think that if Caesar was uh, within himself, he sat in his throne or wherever he sat in his government, and he said, I'm going to declare a tax. But it was just God putting that on his heart. God was the one that declared that because God needed for Joseph and Mary to get to Bethlehem. It may look like things are out of control in our lives. It may things like other people are dictating to us our walk and our life and where we need to go and what we need to do. And it can get very hectic and very confusing within our lives. But we need to realize that God is in control. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that God's still in control no matter what the circumstances are? No matter how bad it gets in this world, God is in control. Hallelujah. God is the one that is on the throne. It doesn't matter who's in the, in the, in the White House. God is the one that's going to control all things. Hallelujah. And as we look upon the days and, uh, you know, uh, we was talking amongst ourselves. A few uh, people were over to the house and we were just talking amongst ourselves. And we were just saying, you know, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be surprised at the things that are going on. The Bible prophesizes about it, talking about the last days. We are living in the last days. And Simeon, that one that we read at about the first, you know, he was, he's kind of behind the scenes guy on this Christmas story, but he was there and, and he had the hope and he was full of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost spoke to him. It says that about three different times that the Holy Ghost was there and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and the Holy Ghost moved upon his heart. And he was there and he was waiting for that Messiah to come. He was patiently waiting and he had the promise that he was not going to see death until he saw the coming of the Messiah. And we don't know how old he was. It's, the Bible doesn't tell us, but we assume that he was probably up there in age because after he saw Jesus, he said, Lord, thank you. Now I can go on to be with you in peace or however he worded that. But we need to realize that he was waiting for the promise. And that's what the church is doing today. We are waiting for the coming of the Messiah to catch away the church of the living God. Amen. We're waiting for Jesus to split the eastern skies and to come back for his church. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what our families do or the people around us do. We can set our sights upon living for God. Hallelujah. And nothing can stop us or hinder us. It's not far to Bethlehem. It's not far to get to this gift, this Jesus that he has for us. He said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be there. He's got his hands outstretched to the church, to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. He desires to be the king of your life. Amen. We need him in our lives, don't we? We need to be looking for his soon coming, and we need to be doing everything that we can for the kingdom of God because we know that he is coming soon, and people need to be ready. Hallelujah. We need to get our lives ready. We need to get our hearts ready. We need even you may be here today and you may see, feel like you're a little far from the Lord. I want you to know it's not far to Bethlehem. It's not far to get back to God. 
We need to get back to him. Amen. He said in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Talk to so many people that says, you know, maybe, you know, down the road or, you know, maybe next week or maybe after uh, my family all gets in, I'll, I'll get baptized or really get back to church or all these things. But the Bible says now, now, hallelujah, it's not far it's just a decision away. Hallelujah. Now is that day of salvation. You think about the thief on the cross and he just looked over to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me in thy kingdom. And, and Jesus' response to him was, today you're going to be with me in paradise. What turned out to be his worst day probably of his life turned out to be the best day of his life. He was being crucified but this, that same day he was going to be with Jesus Christ because it's not far to Bethlehem. It is not far to the Lord. Amen. Psalms 139 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understands my thought afar off. God knows where you are. God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're here tonight. He knows when you get up. He knows when you sit down. He knows your thoughts that are far off. Those thoughts that nobody else knows about, just you, your thoughts as you think at night, God knows about them. Thou compassest my path and my laying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. We can never really understand God all about God. As somebody said one time, if we could understand God, then he really wouldn't be God. Amen. But he's, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But we know from the word of God that he's loving and he's compassionate, and he's merciful, hallelujah, and he's full of grace, hallelujah. And if we just reach out to them, he comes in in a moment. It doesn't take a long time to get to the Lord, amen. He said, you beset me behind and before you laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. You ever felt like you were just in darkness sometimes? You just felt like things weren't right. You just felt like you just weren't seeing it clearly. I want you to know that God's there. Night and day are the same to him. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. You ever thought about that? When it's pitch dark and you can't see your way, God knows what's on the other side of the room. Amen. Hallelujah. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it's always intrigued me that the fact that the psalmist says all these things, God, you know everything about me. You know where I'm at. You know my thoughts, everything about me. But in verse 23, the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's not far to God. We just have to ask him. He knows already, but we just have to ask him, Lord, search my heart. Where is my heart? Do you know where I'm at, Lord? Do you know me where I am? Amen. Am I living in the ways that I need to be living? Is there anything that I need to know? Any wicked way in me? Lead me in the way everlasting and God will. It's not far to God. Aren't you thankful for that? I came to church one night and my life was changed. 30 some years ago. One night I came to the Lord and my life was changed from then on. It's a process. It is a warfare it is we are in this world but the bible says we are not of this world the enemy will try to keep you from god he'll try to uh, keep you from the word of god but you know that the enemy's already defeated he doesn't have any power really unless we, we give him to him amen we already have the victory it does if you want to get to god nothing i said nothing can stop you the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church and the gates of hell i would say cannot prevail against that sinner that's desiring more of god you cannot stop a desiring heart amen but it takes a made-up mind it takes a decision within our lives and you know it's almost like where you just are have that determination that i want god You've got to make that decision in your mind. I want God. And I've had a lot, done a lot of mistakes and a lot of stupid things in my life. And even since I've been in church, I've, I've sinned and fallen short of the, of the mark. But I, never can I remember ever there being a thought of me turning back from the Lord. My decision is to go forward. Amen. And each time that we stumble and we fall, it's not far to get back to the Lord. He's there. He's waiting for us. Amen. It's not far to Bethlehem. That's that gift that is there. He came into the world for this very thing. Amen. To commune with his creation. That's you and I. And to save us from this world. Amen. The other gift I want to talk about, the gift at Bethlehem, it makes room for you. The gift makes room for you there was no room in the end for them and in a lot of people's lives we don't make room for the lord we have to make room but john three sixteen tells us for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's to whosoever will. Amen. And I think this church does a great 
job of making this a place where everybody feels comfortable. Amen. And that's how the church of God should be. There's room for you at this church. There's room for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. That's the great gift that he made. It's to whosoever will. He said, come unto me, you know, all ye that labor and weary and heavy laden. God, the Bible tells us, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. And in Revelations chapter number 3, verse 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. He wants to bring you to that banqueting table. He wants to bring you into that room of communion. But here again, and just like with the psalmist where the psalmist had to ask, we have to open the door, folks. But it's not far. It's just a hand reach away to open that door and to say, Lord, come into my life. Lord, come in to my heart. Amen. And God makes room for you. God wants you to know that there is room for you in his kingdom. This church wants you to know that there's room for you in this church. Hallelujah. We all are the body of Christ and we all work together. Hallelujah. To see the church of God grow and to see the things of God progress. Amen. And it takes each and every one of us. We're all part of the body. Amen. And we all need one another. It says the the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Amen. I always think about my little pinky finger that I messed up in playing softball. And, man, it was hurting. And I went to the hospital and they did some surgery on it and everything and stitched it up and said, go on home. And I woke up in the middle of the night and that thing was throbbing. It was th- my whole body gave attention to the, my little pinky finger, amen. The little pinky finger that you really don't need. I even told the doctor, just cut it off. I don't need it. And he said, no, you don't want to do that. And, and I'm glad he didn't. But that whole body is important. When one member of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Amen. We have to make room for everybody. Jesus' arms are wide open, and he says, if you believe on me, it's for whosoever will come into my house. Amen. He tells the parable about, uh, he sent his servant. You know, they begin to say, well, I can't come. I've just bought a yoke of oxen. And one said, I can't come because I just married a wife. And another one came and said, I can't come because I just bought a new piece of land. You know, they began to make excuses. And the, the, the Lord of the house just t- said to his servant, go out in the highways and into the byways and to compel them to come in because my house has to be full. My house must be full. It makes room for us. Hallelujah. God wants you to know that there is room for you in this kingdom. And the other gift at Bethlehem is it is for the lowly. In heart, you think about this also in the the king of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty robed himself in flesh, stepped out of his kingdom and stepped into this world. He became lowly 
in his uh, heart. He became a servant, and he came in such a uh, lowly way. When the angels came, they didn't come to Caesar. They didn't make the announcement to Caesar, the leader of the world at that time. They didn't come to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious worlds of that day. The angels were not sent to them, but they were sent to the shepherds on the hill. They were just lowly shepherds. Amen. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26 says, for you see your calling, brother, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So we see that it says not many. It doesn't say not any. So there are some that are mighty and some that are wise and some that are noble are called. But majority of the people, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And I just think about my own life. When I was, before I came to the Lord, I was weak. I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was without any hope. And I just didn't think anybody would want me, and especially the church. And, and uh, But God wanted me. He doesn't reach out to the proud and those that are high and mighty and those got that got everything together, but he reaches out to the lowly. You don't have to have everything together, if I can say that. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row to come to the Lord. He says, come unto me, hallelujah, and I'll give you rest. He said, your calling, brethren, is not for the wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. We are nothing in this flesh. None of us here today are anything without the Lord. But with the Lord, hallelujah, we are mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the money in your bank account. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter anything to that nature. All that God's looking for is a hungry heart. Hallelujah. Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that? The rest of the Lord. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely. And that just simply means he's talking about himself. I'm humiliated and depressed in heart. He stepped out of his throne in glory. He became humiliated amongst his own. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Depressed or pressed down. This is what Jesus said, but you come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your souls. It's such a comforting thing to matter, no matter what's going on in your life, to be able to lay down your head on the pillow at night and to know that everything's okay between you and your Lord. Hallelujah. And it doesn't take long to get there because his yoke is easy and his burden 
is light. Can you say thank you, Jesus? And the last gift that I want to talk about, the gift of Bethlehem, is revelation. The angel said unto him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, bringing you this news, the greatest news of all time, brought some just by some meagerly shepherds that were on the hill, the greatest news up to this point that had ever been heard in the entire world. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Hallelujah. Which shall be to all people. Everybody say all. It's to every one of us. Hallelujah. God desires to move in our hearts and he just desires to be with us. He doesn't want us to have to be in a depressed state. He doesn't want us to have to be humiliated. Amen. He wants us to live for him, work for him, and rise above those things. When he's talking about those things, he's talking about in the flesh. In the flesh, we can't be proud. He hates a proud look. Amen. Lying tongues. Hands that shed innocent blood. He hates those things. But he says within your hearts and within our minds, he can change us and give us that rest that we're seeking of. And I would just like to encourage you. I was reading in uh, Proverbs. Um, this verse kind of uh, stepped out to me in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, I think it was. It says, commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And I just thought, you know, if somebody here is tonight just having trouble gaining control over your thoughts, commit your works to the Lord. Do something for the Lord. Reach out to a lost soul. Invite somebody to church. Get involved in the house of God. Amen. Pastors always saying that, you know, everybody comes to church. They need a job. You know, they need to be doing something in the church. We always try to make available for everybody to be involved because when you get involved, it's just like the word of God. When you commit your works to the Lord, your thoughts become established. And though we walk in this flesh, we know that we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Hallelujah. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say every thought unto the obedience of God. Amen. We can bring into captivity every thought that we have through the word of God. Amen. Through committing our works to the Lord and just being totally committed unto him it's a great revelation to know and to understand when the angel said for them to fear not we have this great revelation of truth and it can actually be a little fearful sometime revelation can be fearful because when you have revelation it comes with a responsibility you have to act upon the revelation that you have it's just not that you can sit on your couch and just Say, I believe in God and everything's okay. No, God desires for each and every one of us to get involved, to get moving, hallelujah, and to get into the kingdom of heaven. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 32, it says, But call to remembrance the former days and after that you were illuminated, after you were brought to life, or after you had revelation of this truth, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better 
and an enduring substance. When we get the knowledge and the revelation of this truth, it says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Amen. That God wants us to continue to fighting. And it's not always when we're as long as we're in this world, we're going to have tribulations and troubles and problems. We're in the world. This is the real world, the real life. But we have a hope. Hallelujah. We have a hope. And that's just as real as this real uh, world and maybe perhaps more because it's eternal. The world that we're talking about is eternal. We're going to live on forever and ever. Hallelujah. And in our patience, hallelujah, after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. Paul prays for the Ephesians. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Hallelujah. In the knowledge of his, of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. He wants us to have the revelation that we have exceeding greatness of his power in us, towards us, who believe, and it's according to his power. Amen. And we know that he is all-powerful. Yes, fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. But you don't have to stay in a state of fear. Amen. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's going to bring fear, but it also brings hope. Hallelujah. Because he's such a powerful, holy God, and we are so unlike him. But when we get in his presence and we relinquish our will over to him, he can do great things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We are living in a world that's just unraveling around us. People are desperate. People don't know what to do. People are unraveling in their minds and in their hearts. Amen. But it's the church that has the peace of God that keeps our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And we're the one that's going to be able to reach out to these people and to say, we know the answer to your problem. Hallelujah. Remember, he came to conquer. He came to conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that's exactly what he did. First Timothy chapter 3.16, without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It was revealed unto it. It was brought to life. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. There's no controversy there. Jesus Christ was the manifestation of God. He was God in the flesh. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. Behold a virgin. Shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name. Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is. God with us. 
Christmas, folks, is all about God coming to this earth and overcoming this world so that we can be overcomers. Amen? But it's not for us just to enjoy our own selves and to enjoy the comforts of the church and the power of the church, but it's for us to be hands and feet and a voice for God Almighty. But it comes through the power of a revelation of who he is. And actually, Bethlehem's means the house of bread. And Jesus Christ said, he said, I am the bread of life. This word, we need to get into the word of God and stand upon the word and trust in the word. Amen. Because there's where the power of God lies in his word. And that's where our hope comes. Our faith comes from the word of God, from hearing the word of God. You know, you can read this book. You can read the Bible like a textbook and perhaps not get anything out of it. But if you delve into it with a desire in your heart and an open mind, it will speak to you. It's not like any other textbook. It will speak to you. It will move upon you. It's relevant for today. It'll speak to your heart. Amen. But it does. you have to have the desire. It all comes back to us. All we have to do is have that little desire, that glimmer of hope. Because you, you look at Jesus and he taught in parables. And a parable is just a little story that illustrates a spiritual truth, you know. And some even said, why don't you just speak to us plainly, you know. And he said, well, because some people have ears, but they don't hear. And eyes, but they don't see. They're just here for the loaves and the fishes. Amen. But when we look into the, into the word of God, it reveals unto us this Christmas that we celebrate. Is it about a virgin that brought forth a child? Call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that's what Christmas is all about. Charlie Brown. Amen. <laughs> Let's all stand tonight and I'm finished. I finished a few minutes early. I wonder if we could just come. If you don't have to leave or you can leave. But why don't we come to the front tonight and just come to the Lord and just it's not far <laughs> to Bethlehem. It's not far to him. I don't know where you're at. I don't know the burden you're carrying. I don't know the load you bear. I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. But I know one thing. I know he does. And I know he's got arms wide open and he just desires for us to come boldly into his presence. Hallelujah. He's the ever-present help in the time of need. And if everything's going in your direction, then just pray to the Lord to use you to be a witness and to reach out to this lost and dying world that's around us. God, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies. We thank you, Lord, that you came into this world, that you manifested yourself to us. And, God, that you became real, O oh Lord, and that you are alive and well, God. And you desire, O oh Lord, to just move in our hearts and help us to realize that you're not far from each and every one of us and that there's room for us, O oh God. And we don't have to have our act together, God, but you take us as we are and you change us into what we need to be. God, give us that revelation, O Lord, of what who you are and what you're all about and the revelation of what our mis mission is, O God, and what we're here to do, O Lord, and that we're ambassadors in this old world, that we're representatives, O God, 
from another country, that you desire to use us, O oh God. Use us, O oh Lord, in a mighty way. Give us a desire to seek after you like never before, O oh God. And this Christmas, we just pray that you would help us to really understand the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We lift up the name that's above every name. Glory and honor and praises. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just take a minute to worship him, to give him glory and honor. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Let the power of your presence, God, saturate us, God. We love you. Thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the church. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, that you've given us the victory. We praise you, O Lord. We worship you. Hallelujah, for you are worthy. You are worthy, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.